Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. What we need is more common sense. More common sense. We've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro-common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where is talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by Viewin.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. Oh, it's Friday. For those of us who still know what Friday feels like. <laughs> For for some of y'all, and and believe me, if if this is true for you, I I I, I feel for you. For some people, like my wife, every day is Saturday. Every day is Saturday. She has no idea what day it is. She'll ask me all the time, "Hey, what day is today?" It's Wednesday. No, really, what day is it? It was just Wednesday. Yeah, I know, honey. It was Wednesday a week ago. <laughs> Same time last week, it was Wednesday. That's what it gets to be like. You just, every day feels the same. It really is Groundhog Day for for a lot of people. Uh, Today, we maybe took a little, I'm going to call it a baby step towards normalcy. And it really is a baby step. Um, I was kind of hoping, honestly, I'll be honest, I was kind of hoping the Governor Abbott's announcement would be a little more profound. But he's taking a very cautious road. At least we're, we seem to be making, again, baby steps towards getting back open again. For everybody but schools. Schools are done. I think I probably told you when they first closed, we're not coming back. And that doesn't surprise me. He got a lot of pressure not to reopen schools. And quite honestly, what would be the point? The only point of reopening the high school at this point would be so the seniors could graduate. And we're not going to be comfortable enough to let a a crowd of people witness a high school graduation. So if we can't reopen in time to do a graduation, what is the point? Because the school year literally is down to the last three weeks. There's no point. So it's official now. School is done all across the great state of Texas for the remainder of this school year. Now, what else is going to happen? as a result of what the governor is proposing. Not a lot, but a little. I don't know how many businesses are going to take him up on it, but the exceptions to the stay-at-home orders are likely to be expanded. He's putting in place a number of new executive orders that, by the way, the stay-at-home order officially expires on April 30th. There is a group that he's put together, a statewide strike force to open Texas. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, House Speaker Dennis Bonin, Attorney General Ken Paxton, and Comptroller Glenn Hager are all on that task force. They will be the ones making those decisions, evidently, advising businesses on how they can be reopened. Uh, the first steps today for retailers 
again, baby steps for retailers, is that starting next Friday, week from today, if you're a retailer, you'll be able to set up a to-go situation. Right now, that's pretty much been the case for restaurants. No dine-in. You can pick up and you can go. Um, same thing will be true of all retailers. Now, I don't know from a practical model who this helps. I guess if you are a, um, a J.C. Penney, as long as they're still in business, and a Macy's and, and, and a department store, or if you're a uh, any sort of a retailer that didn't make the exemption list before, if you are set up to do it, and that's the big if, if you're set up to do it, you can take an order over the phone or you can take an order online and people can come pick it up from you. You're not really going to have them in your store shopping, but they'll be able to come and pick it up from you. Slight change. Again, he didn't want to do anything. The governor didn't want to do anything today that he felt would increase the risk of spreading the coronavirus or causing cases to increase. He says the decision on who else to open and when they will open will be made by data and doctors and that whatever decisions are made must continue to protect those vulnerable to infection and not allow for further spread of the virus. State parks will be allowed to reopen Monday, April 20th. That's this upcoming Monday. If you visit a state park, you must wear a face covering or mask. And you must maintain a distance of at least six feet from others who are not in your household. You must not gather in a group larger than five people. The restriction on elective surgeries will be removed on April 22nd. The governor said the need to postpone non-essential procedures has passed since the state has plenty of hospital bedroom and a solid supply chain of personal protective equipment has been established for doctors and nurses. So you can go back to the elective surgeries. Again, retail can offer a to-go service for product pickup with minimal contact with other people. That is a week from today. April 27th is the announcement date when other types of businesses and can reopen and what standards and practices for them will be going forward. Please let me know when a hair salon's opening. Actually, I'm in pretty good shape. But I know some people who really need a haircut. So hopefully those types of services. I'm going to guess those services might be among the last, however, to make a comeback. Because let's face it, you have to... you. You may only have contact with an individual at any one given time, but it's pretty tough to get a haircut without violating the six-foot rules. Pretty tough to get a haircut without the the danger of of somebody being close enough to pass germs along to you. So I'm guessing those types of businesses will be among the last in order to be able to make a comeback. Like I said, it's baby steps. At least now we know for the schools, for example, that it's done. The incrementalism is over. School year is over. School's out for summer. And will remain out. No word on when it's going to come back, by the way. Uh, from the standpoint of whether or not they might consider bringing school back early. When you think about it, we've got we've got some kids who didn't quite get their full instruction in. And we may well be passing them along to the next grade. And they are getting some instruction online. But they're not getting the same level of, of, of instruction they would have gotten. So I'm wondering if maybe they will consider bringing school back a little bit early. Possibility, I suppose. All right, quick little break. Back with more in a moment. 
Hour number one underway. Jimmy Baird Show on a Friday, AM 950 KPRC. Man, the lawn's cut. Looks good. House is clean. You know, on a Friday, turn the alarm off because I don't have to get up in the morning. That's why it's my favorite day of the week. Getting towards my favorite time of the day and my favorite day of the week. A little business to take care of, though, before we call it a week. You know, one of the things that really concerned me um, it, it, the most, I think, during the beginning of this whole pandemic thing was the lack of supplies for our first responders. You know, police and fire, having enough face masks, having it, having enough sanitizer, having enough of the things that, um, you know, people who have to deal with the public, especially in an emergency situation through all of this, you know, you and I can social distance. They can't. They have to get out and, and they have to fight fires and they have to you know, respond uh, to, to alarms at people's homes and they have to interact with people. And uh, it, it just bothered the hell out of me they didn't have enough personal protection. But that, that has been taken care of, thanks at least in part to the largesse of ExxonMobil, who uh, has made a, a big donation. Uh, the folks at Spring Fire are now fully equipped. They have all, from what I understand, all the PPEs they need. But let me double check with Assistant Spring Fire Chief Robert Logan. Chief, how you been? I've been doing good, Jimmy. How are you doing? Doing great, thank you. So let, let's start with this. How has the pandemic affected the Spring Fire Department? How many firefighters that, do you have that have tested positive for this? So luckily for us, we haven't had any that have tested positive. It's definitely wow. made some changes in just how we operate because, like you know, you were saying about social distancing, the firefighters live together, cook together, eat together. So... You know, they have to practice social distancing when they're at work, just like they would have to, you know, if they're out in the public. So it's 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 been a change for them wearing face masks when they're in public, making sure that they stay healthy. So there, there have been some changes, but firefighters are amazing at adapting and overcoming. But that's amazing that you haven't had any cases of uh, of uh, COVID-19 here with, with the Spring Fire Department. That is, that is good news indeed. So tell me a little bit about the donation with ExxonMobil as far as coming up with PPEs for your fire department. Yeah, so we received a contact from them about a week ago, and they said that they wanted to help replenish or add some additional PPE, so they made a generous donation of $5,000. Uh, ExxonMobil has been working with us since before they even built a campus in spring. So we, we've been a community partner with them for a really long time, and they've just always been great to us. And it was just, you know, a tough time. So we expected, um, you know, we'd have some struggles to go through, but it sure is nice that we have these kind of community partners like ExxonMobil who still in these tough times find ways to give back to us to make sure we're taken care of. Yeah, you know, there are so many complaints from so many different uh, ends as far as not having enough, you know, hospitals not having enough. Uh, first responders not having enough, but it seems to me in the last week or two things have really, really picked up as far as the the supply being able, the supply chain and being able to get your hands on these materials. Yeah, so we've been very fortunate. We have had some. Uh, we have a great logistics team who's able, who's been able to acquire a lot of uh, personal protective equipment for us. But getting this donation from Exxon allowed us to acquire some more, as well as have uh, us be able to replenish the stockpile as we use them because, you know, firefighters are constantly going to emergency medical calls. We're having to use the N95 masks and gloves and goggles and gowns. So we're going through that. And depending on how busy we are, 
how many emergency medical calls we make, it's how fast we go through it. Have, have emergency medical calls been on the increase since the whole COVID-19 pandemic thing got started, even if it's just people who feel like they might be experiencing some symptoms and they're worried, so they call, and and, and it, maybe it turns out most of the time that they're fine, but, but you know, they're, they're overly concerned about it, and, and they just end up calling you folks. We really haven't seen an uptick in it. We've actually seen, I would say, a slight decrease, I think, just because everyone being home. I also think sometimes people are just kind of a little worried to go to the hospital because they don't want any other opportunity to become exposed by leaving home. Car accidents are down, obviously, because people aren't traveling the roads. So I thought we would see an uptick in them, but we actually have had a little bit of a decrease, I think, because everyone's staying at home and making sure they're trying to stay healthy. Well, I'm surprised. And I guess with everybody staying home, you're probably getting letter, uh, you know fewer fire calls. Or are you getting more Correct. because you've got people who are cooking for the first time? Setting the kitchen on fire. I think, <laughs> right, yeah, I think people being home, they're able to monitor what's going on a little better in their houses so you don't have those unattended you know, electronics or things going on like that that create those fires. But, yeah, the fires have been down a little bit, but we have not seen an uptick in cooking, so I guess that is a positive. <laughs> I know Maybe they're uh, taking care of their local businesses and ordering, you know, to go. I hope so. I hope so. Um, I'm wondering, too, you know, um, if, if there's uh, – and I'm, I'm doing this on the fly and I'm asking you on the air, and, and if, 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 it, if it's – if it's difficult to answer or whatever, I completely understand. But I know that there there are some restaurants, for example, in the city of Houston, who have been volunteering to uh, feed the first responders. Um, have you had that same kind of uh, offer uh, at the Spring Fire Department? And if not, if there are restaurants out there who, who who would like to maybe you know cater a meal for the for the fire department, is there somebody they should contact about doing it, or are you just trying to kind of keep everybody separate at this point? No, we have had many restaurants that have stepped up. Uh, we've actually had some other community partners like churches that have reached out to restaurants to sponsor food for us. But if they want, they can contact our administrative office or go to the website at springfd.org and get our contact information. And the firefighters would always love to be able to um, receive those meals. And it is good, even with social distancing, to still be able to interact with the community. And the fire stations are still there. You know, if you if you need help, we still recommend you call nine one one or come to the fire station and and get help. So, if yeah. if people want to donate food or or have drop off food, we'll be more than happy to take it. Okay, and that's that's good to know. And I think that'd be a terrific thing to do because you'd be helping some of the local restaurants and you'd be you know helping the the spring fire department at the same time. I think that makes everybody healthy. All right, glad to hear things are going well. Glad to hear none of the firefighters. In spring, have COVID-19, and uh, Chief Logan, keep up the good work. Always good to talk to you, sir. All right, you too, Jimmy. Have a good weekend. You too. That is um, Assistant Fire Chief Robert Logan joining us here on AM 950 KPRC. All right, coming up next, I'm hearing a lot more talk here the last couple of days about that laboratory in Wuhan and that virus maybe being a bioweapon. And maybe it wasn't an accident. Who is this intern they're talking about? We're going to examine all that coming up next with the Heritage Foundation here on AM 950 KPRC and the Jimmy Barrett Show. All right, I'm going to try real hard not to go all conspiracy theory here in this next segment. Unless our guest takes me down that road. Could happen. I got my tinfoil hat just in case. You know, last couple of days, 
Um, there's been a lot of talk about that bio lab in Wuhan, about wet markets, about an intern, about where this coronavirus came from, about what the intent was. I mean, this just an accidental release. Were they just doing an experiment? Um, is there any chance this was let go on purpose? The timing seems suspicious. See, I'm walking down the conspiracy throat all by myself. But I'll even bring our guest on. Let's bring our guest on. He's an expert on China for the Heritage Foundation. His name is Dean Chang. All right, Dean, um, what, do you, what have we learned the last couple of days about, we know the, Chi- the Chinese have lied profusely about this virus, even tried at one point to blame us for it in the propaganda war, but what have we, what have we learned in the last few days about the origins of this virus? Um, I'm not sure what we've actually learned. There's a whole lot of rumors. There's a whole lot of stories. Uh, there are claims that uh, our intelligence community was warning the Israelis and NATO back in November of the possibility. Uh, there's all sorts of, of stories going around. And frankly, the Chinese have no one to blame but themselves. When you create a vacuum, uh, nature abhors it and th- you know, stuff rushes in. And it may be facts, it may be rumors, it may be conspiracy theories. Yeah. I guess part of what makes it all very suspicious as well is the is is the timing. You know, the fact yes. that this just happened to time itself out. It's an election year. The economy is doing better than it's done in 50 years. Um, you know, it is, it is uh, for those who are hoping for a change in administrations, it's the perfect thing to happen at the perfect time. That's certainly true. Um, but let's keep in mind that if China had released this for those sorts of purposes, you'd think they probably would have tried to inoculate more of their own people. And they would have, frankly, created less um, uh, ridiculous tissues of lies, like, for example, that there have only been about 6,000 deaths total in all of China. I mean, think about that. A country four times the population of the United States with a healthcare system nowhere near as good as ours is able to simply just stop having cases 30 days in. There are those, though, who might think, and, and, and you're much- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, Join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Much more of an expert on this than I am, certainly. But there are those who are thinking, as you say, with the, with the huge population in China, that maybe for the communist government, it's not such a big sacrifice to make, having, having you know, tens of thousands of people die in their own country. That's 
certainly uh, the Chinese uh, Communist Party has never batted an eye when it uh, has lost thousands of uh, millions, really, of people to things like their own uh, created famine uh, back in the 1950s. The problem here is that um, you have other pressures going on. You have a Chinese economy that was slowing down thanks to the trade war. You had Hong Kong protests to add a disease that, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorists are saying they released deliberately. That's the kind of thing that could easily backfire on a Xi Jinping who's busily trying to get his own economy back on track. Okay, but as you say, a trade war with the United States, I guess that's the part about it that, that, that makes it so interesting to me, is this pandemic accomplished in four weeks what a normal economic conditions could not accomplish in probably four years. It, we've gone from 3.4% unemployment to probably 16 17% unemployment. We have 22 million people so far who've been able to get through to claim unemployment. We, we brought the economy to a screeching halt. We sent everybody into their homes. I can't think of an, any other circumstance where you could bring uh, uh, the most dynamic economy in the world to a halt this way. Oh, that's true. Um, short of firing off nuclear weapons, you uh, could not devastate the American economy more. But let's also keep in mind, we chose to do that, right? Um, these are American governors, American politicians who are deciding whether or not we should be voting on additional small business uh, loans. This is American politicians deciding whether or not to hold Mardi Gras or whether to allow you know, spring break week in Miami. So, you know, you can always count on the other side to do some stupid things, but I'm not sure even the Chinese could be so sure that we would do some of these things to ourselves. Okay, so from a more practical standpoint then, um, what does this mean, do you think, to our relationship going forward with China? Certainly, there's it, not that there's a great level of trust between the United States and China to begin with, but I would think what little trust there was has pretty much been dashed at this point. I think that it has definitely uh, is going to lead to some of the worst U.S.-China relations ever. I think that if this administration is smart, it is going to demand, for example, reform of the World Health Organization and a lot of the U.N. organizations where the Chinese have sunk their claws in. I think it's going to raise real questions around the world about China's role in supply chains. Do you want the Chinese, who you couldn't trust for even basic health information, um, to now be supplying all of your 5G networks. I think that what's going to come out the other side is a China that um, could well be, be much more isolated. On the other hand, we've also now seen that our own press is happy to parrot Chinese propaganda lines. So uh, maybe there will also be a reassessment of some of our own institutions after all this. Well, I would hope so. Um, as far as the World Health Organization, the president has pulled funding. Uh, at least temporarily, from the World Health Organization. Do you believe that was the right move to make? Is that the right message to send to the World Health Organization? Hey, you know, you're you're supposed to be the World Health Organization, not the China Health Organization. This is, on the one hand, this is terrible optics. It's going to be played up, and it already is, by the Democrats, by the media, as, look, we're in the middle of a pandemic and Trump is playing politics. On the other hand, when you have a senior doctor at WHO saying, if I catch uh, COVID, I want to be in China, not South Korea, which handled this every bit as well, arguably better, hasn't lied about anything, and 
didn't have to become a dictatorship to do it and can't even say the word Taiwan without getting tongue-tied, um, I'm not sure when would be a good time to really you know, uh, come down on the WHO. Um, this may be as good a time as any. Well, if nothing else, does it make any sense for the United States to be spending the kind of money on the World Health Organization it is, a fraction of what China spends, and yet everything seems to be geared towards pleasing the Chinese? I think that the WHO's funding mechanism is clearly broken. More to the point is I think that how people get selected to be leaders at the WHO. The WHO, you know, in the last several years has focused more on fighting heart disease and drunk driving and obesity than it has apparently preparing for the next pandemic. Um, I really don't see why WHO needs to be telling me you know, whether or not I can eat potato chips as opposed to fighting malaria. And uh, I guess as a final note here, uh, Dean Chang, um, has anybody in the world done a better job than the United States as far as their reaction to and their attempts to quell uh, COVID-19? And I'm not asking from the standpoint of, oh, no, the USA is the best. I'm asking from the standpoint of if there is somebody who's done a better job, who is it and why did they do a better job? I think the South Koreans and the Taiwanese actually have done excellent jobs. Uh, they started testing very early. Um, they uh, have kept up the testing. They quarant uh, Taiwan quarantined off the Chinese uh, even earlier than we did. Um, they've And so they've managed to get their arms around the problem. Uh, limit the number of cases, limit the number of deaths, and did all of that without becoming a dictatorship, which is the big Chinese selling point. Um, so, yeah, I do think that there are a couple of countries that, that definitely we should be looking to for lessons. Okay. And, and who amongst the world's players have done the worst job in your estimation so far? Well, I'm going to leave the Chinese out because we just don't know. Like I said, I don't think many people should be trusting Chinese statistics. After that, I think that there's going to be an assessment in places like Italy, which just had so many deaths, um, and Spain. I think that Sweden, which chose not to lock down, to really not even push social distancing that hard, um, we're going to need to look at that uh, experience. Maybe they did it right, because they're the only country that didn't lock everybody up, um, but maybe they did it really badly. Okay, well, I guess we'll know when all the final... Totals come in, all the, the final stats. Dean Chang, thanks for joining me today. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. From the Heritage Foundation, Dean Chang here on AM 950 KPRC. All right. Um, <laughs> another advertising icon is gone. Did you hear about this? You know, the, the, the Native American maiden holding the butter on the uh, Land O'Lakes packaging? She gone bye-bye. More on that story coming up next, AM 950 KPRC and The Jimmy Barrett Show. Let's have an honest discussion about it. Can we keep this real? Join, join, join the conversation. Call 713-212-5950. That's 713-212-5950. It is uh, 348 now here in AM 950 KPRC and The Jimmy Barrett Show. Uh, Chuck DeVore from the Texas Public Policy Foundation coming up at 432. We're going to kind of analyze uh, what Governor Abbott did today. I'm going to call it the slow roll. <laughs> Normally that's a police term, you know, slow roll. But um, I think the governor's doing a slow roll on reopening the economy. He also has uh, put together a uh, all-star task force. 
Jim McAvill's on it, I guess. Mattress Mac's on it. Uh, Tillman Fertitta's on it. And uh, these are all people that are going to be advising on what businesses to reinstate, when to reinstate them, under what conditions. But next hour, we'll again go over the new rules here. The the big thing, if you're just tuning in and you hadn't heard yet, is um, school is officially canceled here in Texas for the remainder of the school year. So the kids will not be going back to school. All right, let me uh, touch on this one because this one one bothers me for some reason. It bothers me... You you would think I'd be kind of desensitized to losing Native American symbols at this point because I've been watching this going on for the last better part of 50 years, 40 years at least, as far as the systematic removal of Native symbols, um, Native nicknames. Um, I'm kind of over that at this point. Um, Native terms, terminology. Um, I've never been one to get all bent out of shape by quote-unquote cultural misappropriation. But it is amazing to me some of the interpretations liberals in particular have given to the use of certain symbols in what they supposedly stand for. Land O'Lakes, are you familiar with the product? Yeah, butter. Since 19... I want to say 1923? Something like that. That's 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 the better part of almost 100 years. Land O'Lakes butter has had the yellow packaging... And on the front of the package, you you've got like a, like a, a goldy yellow looking sky, and you know the lake in the forest kind of a thing in the background, and the Lando Lakes logo. And then in front of that, you have. And I had no idea until I saw this story, but did you know that that Native American I, I call her a princess, she's just a maiden. They call her the Butter Maiden. Do you know she had a name? I had no idea she had a name. She has a name. Her name is Mia. At any rate, she's kneeling, and in her two hands is butter. Slab of butter. Like she's presenting you with a slab of butter. Now, I've never really thought that much about it. It's a, it's a distinctive logo. I've never really thought that, you know, there was anything extraordinary about it. I never really thought there was anything provocative in any way, shape, or form about it. Just an Indian maiden presenting you with butter. Land of Lakes. Produced in Minnesota, which is the land of 10,000 lakes. And, um, you know, Minnesota in itself is is an Indian name. So I get where it comes from. But over the course of the last few months... They have changed the logo. They've taken the maiden off the packaging. The background's still the same. Now it says farmer-owned Land O'Lakes since 1921. Is that's what's that's what's on it. So the packaging looks pretty much the same, except the the Indian maiden is now gone. What struck me was not so much that the company made a decision to change their logo. Companies make these decisions all the time. 
Maybe they just wanted to modernize it. Maybe they thought maybe they thought it'd be better. Uh, they claim they wanted to emphasize the fact that they're farmer owned. That people are excited about that because they want to they want to do business with farmers directly. Instead of big corporate agriculture, this is your chance to do business with farmers. But here's the parts I don't understand. The story claims that the logo, the one with the Indian maiden, had long been criticized for being racist and stereotypical. And I'm I'm trying to figure out what was it about that logo that was racist. And I don't quite understand. The 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 clothing that she was wearing was pretty authentic looking. She was very authentic looking. Um, so where's the stereotype? Where's the racism? Well, this is what North Dakota Representative Ruth Buffalo told the Grand Forks Tribune. And this is the part that even takes it over the top. She claimed that that image, that maiden holding out butter, went, and I quote her now, hand in hand with human and sex trafficking of our women and girls by depicting Native women as sex objects. Sex objects. Because she's, she's holding butter? Well, butter can be kind of sexy, if you know what I mean. But, but what's sexy about... She's not showing any cleavage. You can barely see her knees. She's fully clothed. Is it because she's on her knees? Or... Is it because she's being submissive? Is is that what we're talking about here? Oh yeah, she's 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 going to serve some man her butter here. So yeah, that's sexist. Um, that's objectifying women. Wow. You got all that from a butter logo. At that point, I think we're really kind of looking for trouble. Here's the part. Here's the part that bothers me. I, if the company wants to change the logo, that's fine. If you want to be offended by a logo, go ahead and be offended by the logo. But I would ask that we keep all of this in mind. If we're going to decide that every use of a Native American image by a non-Native American is racist or stereotypical or cultural misappropriation, are misogynistic or whatever other label you want to put on it, I would just suggest that people might want to be careful. Because if we just systematically remove all that, then the only ones left who ever use any Native American imaging are Native Americans themselves. By sheer numbers of population, this stuff is going to disappear. It'll disappear. It won't be used by anybody except maybe on tribal lands. And I don't know about you, but I can probably count on one hand how many times I've been to tribal lands. And every time I went, it was probably to go to a casino. If that's the only place where that exists, then aren't you really kind of doing in your own culture? Don't you want to expose 
people to your culture. And I'm not suggesting that we only expose Native American culture in some sort of a cartoonish sort of way with a Indian princess holding out butter. But if we're afraid to, to use something like that, then at some point in time, people are going to be afraid to use anything having to do with Native Americans. They're a proud, proud people, proud history. Certainly part of the founding of this country. Be the first to admit, the white man didn't always treat the Native Americans very well. We probably, we probably owe Native Americans a whole hell of a lot more than we've ever given them back. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater here. I understand why you don't want people doing the tomahawk chop. I understand where you don't want white college kids dressing up like Native Americans, you know, to lead, lead the marching band because your nickname happens to be a Native American nickname. I can even, I can even, I can even understand why you might not want to have a, a team named for your tribe or an Indian term, Native American term. But let's be careful about throwing it all away, huh? Let's not throw it all away. All right, we've got uh, Fox News coming up. Four o'clock next hour, as I said, we're going we're gonna to talk to Chuck DeVore, Texas Public Policy Foundation, go over again uh, Governor Abbott's um, changes, loosening of the reins, just a little bit. The baby steps were taken back in just a few minutes, AM 950 KPRC. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. Instacart for the win. What we need is more common sense. More common sense! We've got to use plain old common sense. Breaking down the world's nonsense. About how American common sense will see us through. With the common sense of Houston. I'm just pro-common sense. For Houston, from Houston. Where you talking about common sense? This is the Jimmy Barrett Show. Brought to you by ViewIn.com. Now, here's Jimmy Barrett. Hey, it's um, time to get going. Hour number two here on AM 950 KPRC. We will spend a significant amount of time this hour uh, going over uh, Governor Abbott's uh, press conference from earlier today, uh, his announcement about schools being closed for the remainder of the school year, um, allowing retailers who uh, haven't been open to have a to-go model. We'll, we'll kind of get into that. Talking about this task force he's set up, who's going to be on it, that kind of stuff. And at 432, Chuck DeVore from the Texas Public Policy Foundation 
with some thoughts on. Uh, I, I I call it baby steps, and I don't mean I don't mean it as um, necessary critical necessarily critical. Uh, by the way, I guess um, Sylvester Turner had a press conference here not that long ago, where he basically said that he agrees with the governor. Um, that if the, but if the governor allows um, local government to make its own decisions about when to allow things to be open. He not, might not be as inclined to open things up as quickly. His concern that he is stating is that he doesn't want to make the mistake of uh, opening things too soon, um, having the caseload go up, and then having to turn around and shut things back down again. I don't think there is anything the governor's proposing that would have an impact on that because he, he made it pretty clear that he wasn't interested in doing anything to start that would have any impact on increasing cases. And I don't, I, I thought honestly he might be slightly more aggressive than what he's being. But I, I, here's, here's what I understand about this, especially if you're a politician. You don't want to be the one who gets blamed if things go wrong. You don't. I mean, nobody does, but you you, you especially don't. So you want to you want to if somebody else is willing to take a certain level of responsibility, you're you're more likely to give it up. Even President Trump has given up some of the responsibility on this to the health officials. The governor has given up responsibility or a lot of responsibility on this to the health officials. That's who's going to advise him. The local government has given up the responsibility to the health officials. These are the scientists. These are the people who know. and But we know where they're going to be. They're, they are going to err on the side of caution. They're going to take a very conservative approach. Even if there's no politics at all involved in this, they are going to be extremely conservative. That's what health officials do. So it's not going to go as fast as we'd like it to. But at least we're going to start making some progress here. I, I just hope that we're going to make enough progress quickly enough that we can avoid the worst of what this economy potentially has to offer us. I mean, we've seen how quickly it slid in a very, very short period of time. How many jobs have been at least temporarily lost? So, you know, I at this point, I would probably err on the side of being a little more aggressive personally on getting things open again. All right, and... <laughs> I hate to talk about it. I've, I've talked about Governor Gretchen Whitmer more in the last few days than I've talked about our own governor. And uh, she's the governor of Michigan. I've talked about her so much, I almost feel like I'm living there again. If I were living there again, though, what's left of my hair would be falling out of my head. Because she is the quintessential making decisions involving her citizens' lives and livelihood and personal freedoms strictly on politics. Well, at least not, maybe not strictly, but the majority of it is based on politics. How else do you explain somebody who sets up rules for what can be open, what's closed, what's essential and what isn't, based on things like the Green New Deal? How else could you explain somebody allowing her citizens to use a sailboat or a kayak, but not a motorboat? The only, 
The only di- difference there is the internal combustion engine. It's the one and only difference. That is pure politics. Judge Andrew Napolitano on Fox was commenting on why the citizens of Michigan are protesting. Here's what he said. This is a blatant violation of the Bill of Rights, a blatant violation of freedom of assembly, of your right to purchase a product that you decide uh, is uh, is essential. If, if you go to a big box store in Michigan and you decide, instead of buying cereal, I want to buy grass seed. Instead of buying paper towels, I want to buy a garden hose. You have violated her, the governor's executive order. And theoretically, because she's threatened to do this, she'll shut down the big box store because they sold you grass seed and a garden hose instead of cereal and paper towels. These are not decisions for the government to make. These are decisions for individuals to make. And the sooner we take our freedoms back, the less likely the government will be able to continue doing this. And if we don't take our freedoms back, they might not come back. I'm going to try to be an optimist about this and assume that people in the state of Michigan are finding out what a mistake they made in electing somebody that liberal to be their governor. It all seems well and good until all of a sudden you end up with these crazy rules that are being enforced that don't make any sense at all for political purposes only. Then all of a sudden people have a tendency to go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Why is this happening again? Now, the good news for the president might be, I mean, he may have had a tough time getting the people of Michigan to to vote for him this time out, at least in the numbers they did previously. I think he's going to see a nice little little boost to the polls in the Great Lakes State as a result of what that governor is doing. That is truly, truly amazing. All right, back with more in a moment. It's the Jimmy Baird Show on a Friday. You're listening to AM 950 KPRC. Just about uh, 420 AM 950 KPRC. If I profess my love lately for uh, Senator Kennedy out of Louisiana, Senator uh, John Kennedy, who I affectionately refer to as Cornfucius, Senator Cornfucius, not to be confused with Confucius, it's he's the countrified version of Confucius, thus the Cornfucius. Get it? <laughs> anyway. I love I love his um, I love his analogies. Uh, I love his sort of you know his down home way of explaining things. Um, I think he's pretty genuine. I think that's who he is. Um, I don't think he's pretending to be a bumpkin or a country philosopher. I think he I think he is a country philosopher. I think he's a very smart guy. But what is always amazing to me is how people, especially from big cities in the north, especially a place like New York City, you you want to talk about racism, you want to talk about stereotypes. These people are among the first to stereotype people from the south. Those people in New York, they like to think of, you know, folks down here as just being, you know, they're a bunch of dumb old hillbillies. That's what they think, clinging to the gods and guns. 
you know, they, they think they think people from the South are just plain stupid. Even if even if they've elevated themselves to the position of United States Senator. And I offer this up as evidence. Granted, this is one person in the New York media, but I can assure you he's far from alone. What's amazing is that Joe Scarborough from Morning Joe on MSNBC is so smug and so elitist that he thinks it's just fine to try to show you how stupid Senator Kennedy is. Here's what he said on his morning show. Listen to this diatribe. This is a guy, I think he went to Oxford. He's a big John Kerry supporter. Um, a man, a man about town, obviously. Very, very erudite, or however they say that in Oxford. But <laughs> he says, he says in his corn pone made-up accent that, uh, that yeah, we, we, we closed it down, people still died. He knows that without the social distancing, he knows without the lockdowns, he knows this. He may be playing stupid on TV. Uh, he may be acting like he's dumb as dishwater on TV, but he knows that without the social distancing, instead of 30,000 people dead right now, it'd probably be 300,000 people dead right now. He also has to know that if we reopen the government too quickly without the testing, if we reopen the economy without widespread testing, a lot more people are going to die. And here, here it comes. Here's punchline, John Kennedy. I like how you talk like that, Mr. Oxford. Uh, you, you, you know, he actually talks like, like Sherlock Holmes when he's behind closed doors in his house. And he has an <laughs> eye patch and a, a top hat and, and smokes a pipe. Hang on. Can we start with the Sherlock Holmes thing? Did Sherlock Holmes, correct me if I'm wrong here, Watson, did Sherlock Holmes wear a top hat? No. Did Sherlock Holmes have, have an eye patch? No. The pipe is right. He's right about the pipe. What, he thinks He thinks that John Kennedy's Louisiana accent's an act and that he talks with a British accent at home? What is that dude smoking? What is that dude smoking? No, that's just that's just that's just the way a New York elitist is, is going to make a fun of somebody from the South. Because you all are stupid. You're from the South, right? You you ain't got no education. What'd you get through the fifth grade? I mean, come on, how condescending can we be? Uh, well, and speaking of condescending, one more example. Um, Lindsey Graham went on The View. I don't know why any conservative would go on The View, but Lindsey Graham, who's not afraid to make a television appearance anywhere at any time, especially on Vox, was on with Joy Blowhard, um, and she she demanded, you, you need to tell me, you need to tell me three things that Trump has done right during all of this. Lindsey Graham was more than happy to take on the challenge. Take a listen. Tell me, sir, what has he done right? Name three things that he's done right. And then I want to hear three things he's done wrong. Okay, well, let's see. Uh, the first thing he did was in, I think, January the 31st, uh, stop travel from China. 
the Chinese are the bad guy here if you're looking for a bad guy, but I want to look forward. But uh, the China travel ban probably saved us a lot of heartache, then eventually imposed it <clears throat> on Europe. And uh, I think he's followed the advice of Dr. Fauci and Burks. On March 13th, he declared a national emergency and imposed the guidelines we have today. So I, thought, I think those were three things that have flattened the curve and kept the exposure in the United States down. Uh, on what we need to do better, I think the key to me is testing. Uh, I can't really blame the president, but we are struggling with testing uh, uh, at a large scale. You really can't go back to work until we have more tests that shows who has it and who doesn't. And we're beginning to turn, it, turn the corner on that. I think that's a pretty good answer. I don't know if he ever tackled three things the president's done wrong. Uh, I can't think. I'd like to think. I can think of things that have gone wrong. I just can't think of things that have gone wrong that I can blame the president for. Is it the president's fault that the IRS has sent out a couple of $8 million stimulus checks? I mean, they caught it each time, and they got the money back. But is it his fault that the IRS... It has not gotten all the checks dispersed yet? No. Is it his fault that the guy, that some of the amounts of the checks are incorrect? No. No, that's the Internal Revenue Service. That is government bureaucracy at its finest. Is it his fault? I mean, we know, for example, here in the state of Texas, in every other state, we have been absolutely besieged with unemployment claims. We can't keep up with them. We are woefully behind woefully behind people can't get through lines are jammed traffic on the internet is just absolutely at a max trying to get on these websites in fact they would tell you they would tell you if you want to if you want to get on to the texas works website for your unemployment you need to do it between midnight and five o'clock in the morning that's how busy it is is that trump's fault is it trump's fault that we've had 22 million people Declare for unemployment and probably many more who have tried but can't get through? No. No. Shutting down the economy is what has caused that to happen. But we've decided that we prefer shared sacrifice right now. Not all of us are sharing the sacrifice of giving up our jobs but plenty have put their livelihood on the line in order to try to save lives. So, no, we can't, I can't blame Trump for any of that stuff. In fact, if I were to blame Trump for anything, I might go in the slightly opposite direction. I might say that we did too much. I might say that we shut things down too much. I might say that we maybe gave too much control over local government. No, I'd never say that. That's the one thing I wouldn't say. I think that the, the, the hierarchy on this is good. The president leads from a national level. The governor leads as far as the state. Local officials lead locally. Sylvester Turner and Lena Hildago. If you don't like the way they lead, if you don't like the rules they made, well, it's because elections have consequences. All right, we'll get Chuck Devoron from the Texas Public Policy Foundation. His thoughts on what the governor is doing next here on AM 950 KPRC. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.